0: The Bible reading is from the Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 2, to 6, verse 3. I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking.
1: Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my faultless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night.
0: I have taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I have washed my feet. Must I soil them again? My beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening. My heart began to pound for him. I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. They beat me. They bruised me. They took away my cloak, those watchmen of the walls. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you. If you find my beloved, what will you tell him? Tell him, I am faint with love. How is
1: the Beloved better than others, most beautiful of women? How is the
0: Beloved better than others that you so charge us? My Beloved is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among ten thousand. His head is purest gold, his hair is wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the water streams washed in milk mounted like jewels his cheeks are like beds of spice yielding perfume his lips are like lilies dripping with myrrh his arms are rods of gold set with topaz his body is like polished ivory decorated with lapis lazuli his legs are pillars of marble set on bases of pure gold His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as its cedars. His mouth is sweetness itself. He is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend, daughters of Jerusalem.
1: Where has your beloved gone, most beautiful of women? Which way did your beloved turn, that we might look for him with you?
0: My beloved has gone down to his garden to the beds of spices, to browse in the gardens, and to gather lilies. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He browses among the lilies. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you so much for reading, and thank you once again for joining us. Uh, let's pray that God will speak to us um, through this sermon. But could I ask you, if you have your Bibles, um, could could I ask you to open it? Take out uh, the Bibles on your phone, and physical one, and let's go through it um, as God speaks to us. But let's pray first um, that God will speak to us uh, through this passage. Lord, we thank you um, that you are God who speaks. Uh, we thank you that you... Uh, speak um, and we can know your love more and Lord we pray that you would fill us with your spirit and um, that we might know your love more that we might be filled with the fullness of God um, this morning as we hear of your love speak to us in Jesus name we pray amen Mary and I had our first big fight as a married couple on the second day of our honeymoon <laughs> Uh, our marriage started out great. Our wedding day was perfect. Many of you were there. It was a lovely, lovely day. Uh, so many great people, so many great friends. It started out really well. I was on this high and we went uh, on our honeymoon to this picturesque of New Zealand uh, for our honeymoon. But in the backdrops of that beautiful, beautiful country, in the backdrops of that historic city of Christchurch, as we were wandering around the city, I remember yelling, Mary uh, it was entirely my fault it was that <laughs> she was not to blame at all but you can imagine what must have gone through Mary's mind what have I done what have I done marrying this man I have to I have to put up with this for the rest of my life well we see in our couple in Song of Solomon something in a way similar last week we saw how they were married it was a blissful day. It was a lovely, lovely day. Um, but we see in our, uh, 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 when we saw the sort of the bedroom clothes, right? I, I take a look at chapter 5, verse 1 there. We saw the bedroom, bedroom clothes uh, behind them and the friends singing their blessings upon the marriage. Verse 1, eat, friends, and drink, drink your fill of love. We see, we feel the warmth of that love. It's sort of happily ever, uh, uh, happily ever after. Except that happily ever after doesn't last for that long. Uh, We see in our text, uh, our lover's first quarrel. I'd like to remind you once again that this is a poem, poem and as with many poems, it's difficult um, to read. It goes from A to B without any transition. People appear and disappear. And it is like that in this, uh, in this section. Especially this section is, uh, is a bit more difficult to read. But as we go through it, I hope you'll see that the lover's quorum and what it takes to heal that relationship, that the lover's search um, for, the, uh, for the beloved. And the reconciliation. And, and through it, I hope you'll be able to see uh, your stories. Your stories of brokenness and reconciliation. And not only that, God's love for us. The story of God's love uh, for us in and through it all. Well, in my experience, the biggest um, causes for marital fights are these four things. Money, in-laws, children, and sex. We've seen this w- uh, couple's wide hot love and perhaps it's a surprise then that their first quarrel really is about sex. And if uh, this song of songs has painted an almost an unrealistic picture of love and romance, well, this section, I think, is in a way really realistic, too realistic. They're having their first fight. In verse 2, we see that, that the, um, we, we are in the bedroom of the young bride, uh, she's awake, uh, but not. She, I mean, she's asleep, but not completely. And she might be half dreaming, which explains uh, the appearing and disappearing of people and the dreamlike qualities um, in and through it. In fact, many commentators think that actually this whole section, entire section, is her dream. Anyhow, it seems that the young couple had agreed previously to "quote unquote" Netflix. And, uh, what is it, Uh, Netflix and chill, in other words, um, to uh, make love that night. I don't know what happened. Maybe it was colleagues or work or whatever. The husband is late. He's late and he's not there. And so the young bride had fallen asleep. And tired of waiting, she's fallen asleep. And he finally comes to knock in the middle of the night. And although he's late, he thinks that he could sweet talk her into the chill part of the previous agreement. Look what he says in verse 2. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew and my hair uh, with the dampness of the night. And she cringes. You know, she was ready a few hours back. She was ready. Apparently she had put on something special, verse 3, and she had taken a bath and she doesn't want to do it all over again. But the eager husband continues. "Don't Don't make me beg whether it's a real door or, or a metaphorical one, he thrusts his hand uh, through the opening, verse 4. And the feeling starts to come back for her as well. Her heart begins to pound for him. And so she gets ready, verse 5. She dips her hand into perfume, all getting ready. And, and in, in verse 6, she opens a door and she finds a shock. Uh, the man who was there before, her husband, well, he's no longer there. He's gone. Fine. If you don't want to do it, then I don't want to do it either, maybe, he said, and stormed out. Now, moments ago, if you reflect back on what we've heard last week, they were in the Garden of Eden, in the Promised Land. This is the place of bliss, enjoying the fruits of that garden. How did the go- couple go from this bliss of, the, uh, of Garden of Eden to this alienation? Well, the same way in that Adam and Eve, uh, all of us, are kicked out of Eden uh, selfishness, entitlement, uh, pride, hurting one another. In other words, sin. The husband had this expectation that he wanted his wife to meet. Uh, even when he came late, even though his wife was asleep, he thought that he could get, he's entitled, um, that, that, that she, had been, she should be waiting for him. That's selfishness, isn't it? And the wife is actually selfish, too. I mean, it's a bit flimsy what she says. Well, I don't want to put on this robe again. I don't want to wash again. Well, I mean, it's understandable, but it's so, certainly not selfless. It's certainly not loving. But the fight really escalates when the husband leaves, when he storms out of that fight. When the reluctant wife is ready to go, he feels hurt that he had to wait, he feels hurt, that, uh, uh, that the wife didn't feel the same, same way about him, so he lashes out and he wants to hurt her, and so he storms out. And I hope it's comforting for all of you to know that the Song of Songs, whose name suggests that this is the best love song in the whole world, it's the Song of Songs, speaks of a fight, speaks of a quarrel, it's a reminder that no part of this world is actually the Garden of Eden. We might sense a, a moment of, of togetherness and peace of that Edenic, Edenic peace uh, in our relationship with our husband and wife or our friends and family uh, with, with, with our deep relationships, but that, those moments don't last forever. They go away. What's the saying? There are no good marriages, but only marriages that have been worked on. Now, don't make the mistake then of idolizing any relationship. Uh, Singles among us sometimes think that if I just get married to the right person, my loneliness will go away, my self-confidence will come, uh, that lack of security that I feel, that will all magically go away. And, And to a degree, some of that helps, but... Expect quarrels, right? It won't be problem-free. Relationships are really hard. In fact, some of the most lonely people are people who are married and feel that alienation within that marriage. And actually, even if you're married, you can idolize that relationship. And that might be one of the reasons why uh, you have, so many problems are in the marriage because you don't think the problems should be there in the marriage. Friends, if you're married... Do not expect your wife or your husband to be this perfect person, perfect spouse for you. Only God can meet all of your needs. Expect quarrels. Expect selfishness and pride and hurt feelings. But work through them. We should have the right expectations for our relationships. And they can't take the place of our God. And the way that we work through to a good relationship is at first examining our hearts. To see the logs um, that are blinding us. To examine our hearts. How has our selfishness, pride, entitlement, or whatever hurt uh, our dearest ones? How has your selfishness, not just in our marriage, but hurt your um, relationship with your siblings, with your parents, with your friends? How have you contributed to this alienation and brokenness of these relationships? How is insisting your way? And not bending for the other caused real damages. Have have there been times when you've blown things out of proportion? You know, you think, you say it's a matter of pride, but really at the end, uh, it's it's, it's your pride that was on the line. The first step towards healing of any relationship is to examine our hearts and to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my part in this. I'm sorry for bringing my brokenness into our relationship. That is the first step. But often, we don't do that. Often, we do what this husband does. Walk away. Walk away from our relationship. Simply storm out and not look back. And if you uh, live in Hong Kong, and Hong Kong is not your home, I think this is a a great temptation for you. I mean, I say that because it's a great temptation for me. And there are people in my life, friends and family, you know, whose uh, relationship's somewhat broken. And I don't want to make the effort. And it's easy not to make the effort because of the distance. Because I don't see them. I don't have to see them. And so I choose to ignore them. I choose to not think about them. I mean, if I'm really honest, I mean, a little bit of my heart is sick about it. But I'm, I'm too lazy um, to do anything about that. But even if all your relationships are in Hong Kong, uh, that is often how we deal with our broken relationships, isn't it? We walk away from it and we ignore them. We don't think about them. And sadly, this happens within marriages too. Even if people live in the same, under the same roof, sometimes uh, they've emotionally and psychologically walked away from the other. Well, look at what this bride does, this young bride. Not so with this bride. In verse 6, we see, she says her heart sank. Right? Her heart is broken. She's hurt. I mean, she got herself ready and she opened the door and he's not there. And he couldn't have, he couldn't even wait for a few hours. But look at what she does at this pivotal moment. She doesn't just lick her wound. She doesn't just say, well, it's his fault. She goes after him. She searches after him. Verse 6, I looked for him, but did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. We see in verse 7 that he goes out, she goes out into the middle, in the middle of the night, presumably in her nightgown. And given the, uh, the way that she's dressed uh, and then the, uh, time, of the uh, time, uh, uh, time of the night, the night watchmen find her and assume the worst about her. And so they beat her. Instead of helping her, And there is a dreamlike quality to all of this sequence um, and and in this whole section. And whether this really happened or not really is not the point. Whether in dream or reality, what she does and how she feels is important here. In the darkness of the night, facing real dangers, without any regard for her pride, uh, for her ego, for her safety, she goes out and searches for him to reconcile this relationship with him. Why? Verse 8, because she's faint with love. Because she loves him and she wants him back. And friends, if you are married, I want you to remind yourself that this is what the marital covenant is all about. It's not a vow that's cold and calculating. It's It's not a vow that says, I'll do. Only if you also do your part. I'll do this, I'll work on this uh, marriage to avoid uh, 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 a divorce. No, it's not like that at all. This commitment, our marital com- commitment is warm and passionate. It's a commitment uh, which tells us to set our pride, our ego aside and put the other person first. It's the kind of commitment that says, if you leave me, I will search after you. I will find you and I will reconcile Whatever is done, I'll put you first. It's that sort of covenant that we've made with each other. But just as easily, this applies to all of our broken relationships, of which there are so many. The people who, who we don't talk to anymore, people that we ignore in our life. There are many of these people in our life, isn't there? And how many times have we forgotten in our arguments what's important that we actually love these people, that these relationships are important to us, that our family and friends and colleagues or whatever, there are, these people are very important to us. You see, when this sort of conflict happens, someone needs to put aside their ego and what's right and assigning blame and all these things and do what it takes to reconcile the relationship. Someone needs to remember that this relationship is much more important than getting things right or assigning blame. It is New Year's um, coming up in in these few days. And I'm sure this is something that you might have to remind yourself as you meet with your family, as you meet with your loved ones. As you hear things that you don't want to hear, you get into arguments about politics or whatever, remember that. You remember that you love these people, that you cherish these people. And these people, people are much more important than winning an argument. And remember this in the church. Remember when we argue about politics, uh, set aside our ego and pride and convincing our, uh, the, the other person of our political view, and remember that our brotherhood and sisterhood in Christ is much more important, uh, that the shared mission that God has given us as a church is much more important than getting this, uh, uh, this person to come into our political side. Uh, through this series, I've been really helped by Dr. Phil Riken's uh, book uh, called Love of, Long, uh, Love of Loves in Song of Songs. And there he recalls a story that sort of encapsulates what he's been talking about, what, what the Song of Songs has been talking about. He recalls a time when he was a, a first-year doctoral student at Oxford. Uh, He had done something wrong, something he was deeply ashamed of, and he couldn't get himself to actually talk to his wife, Lisa, about it. And so, as a nerd, he wrote it down in a letter, and he put the letter down on the bookshelf and asked uh, his wife to read it. And he couldn't stay um, to to wait for her to finish, because he was so deeply ashamed, and he left um, with the letter at hand at Lisa. And this is what he writes. Lisa... Got about halfway through the letter and started after me. She didn't know exactly where I was going. I'm a fast walker, so I had a good head start. Also, she was about seven months pregnant, but in the province of God, she found me about a mile away in front of a store on Broad Street. She wanted me to, uh, to know the right uh, she wanted me to know right away how much she loved me. So she ran up and gave me a huge hug. Tears were streaming down both our faces, were made quite a spectacle, especially given how reserved most Brits are. Then she said something that I'll never forget. What? Did you think that I didn't know that you are a sinner? In that moment, I was confronted with the fresh perspective that I needed. I was accepted without qualification, forgiven without question, and loved without reservation by my best friend in the whole world. I was accepted without qualification, forgiven without question, and loved without reservation by my best friend in the whole world. She set aside whatever was that was wrong and said, this is the man whom I love. I will love you no matter what, no matter what you have done, I will love you. A bride searches after the groom. And in verse 9, the friends of the bride all of a sudden appear, asking the question, perhaps she's asking herself in the dream, is he worth it? Verse 9, how is your beloved better than others? Is he he worth all the trouble that you're going through? Uh, We get her answer in verses 10 to 16. In telling her friends this, I think what she's doing really is telling herself what she loves about her man. Commentators say that this section is particularly striking because in the ancient world, there's no such description of women's, women's description of a man in this way. I think this is yet another uh, way that the Bible elevates women, right? It constantly raises a bar for women's equality, women's agency and dignity. Anyway, what she describes is a statue of a man. He stands out, she says, among 10,000 verse 10, His head is purest of gold, his w- hair is wavy, and then she describes her uh, his cheeks, uh, eyes, lips, arms, body, legs. He says in, she says in verse 15 that his leg is gold. In other words, uh, he is pure gold from head to toe. And she started out though she started out describing his appearance. Look at where she ends up in verse 16. She says in verse 16, This is my beloved. This is my friend. She has reminded herself of why she loves him. And at the heart of it, she misses her friend, her best friend. And often it is like that, isn't it? Even if it's initially maybe the physical attraction that attracted the two people to each other. Unless their friendship catches up to their romance, that relationship is in trouble. We need to work on our friendship. So couples, are you working, are you, are you friends with your spouses? Friendship in the busyness of Hong Kong doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come easily. In our busyness of career and children and family obligations, we need to make time for our friendship. Make time to speak to one another to listen to one another when one speaks, to put down the TV or whatever when, someone, uh, when our wife or husband speaks to us and respond and to truly listen. Are you spending time with each other? Are you talking, are you, uh, talking to each other, doing things with and for one another? And single people, single people, I know that you know this, but let me just remind you again, what do you look for in your romantic partner? you just look for, a, you know, a great biceps or a great hair? No, look for a friend. Uh, 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 think about dating your friend, somebody that you can do things with. You know, our appearances will fade pretty quickly for many of us, um, but our friendship will last. But look what happens when she's done reminding herself of why she loves him so much. Uh, her friends appear again, they ask in chapter 6. Verse 1, where has your beloved gone? And it's as if she awakes from her dream. He's right there. He's right beside her. Chapter 6, verse 2, my beloved has gone down to his garden, to the bed of spices, to browse in the gardens and to gather lilies. They are back at their marital bed again, enjoying the marital bliss. So she exclaims, verse 3, I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. They're reconciled. I don't know if you notice, if, if you remember, she said something very similar before in chapter 2, verse 16. I wonder if you notice the difference. Back then, before all of this episode, she said, my beloved is mine, and I am his. Well, this time, she says, I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. Something has changed, right? What has changed? Well, before, her claim of her lover uh, came first. My beloved is mine. That came first. But now, her selfishness is gone. Her self-giving comes first. I am my beloved, and he is mine. That self-giving comes first. I hope Throughout all of this, you have felt uh, not just a couple's love, but in and through it, of God's love too. I hope you can see God's story of His love with us. We too are made for an intimate relationship with God. But just as the selfishness and pride and sin left this couple alienated, We, our selfishness, our sin, our rebellion against God, have alienated us uh, from God Himself. And though God was entirely in the right and we entirely in the wrong, He did not leave His rightness get in the way his comfort or his ego his pride or whatever in the way of pursuing us he doesn't just say in heaven come to me he doesn't just give the law and says come and do this and come back to me he didn't just wait he didn't st- sit still in heaven no he came and sought us out as a shepherd searches for that one sheep that ran away as a woman searches out for that coin as a bride who searches out for her husband he came. He took on the form of a man, and he came and lived among us. And he, for that, he was stripped and beaten and crucified. Why did he do that? Well, not because we're pure gold from head to toe, but because he cherishes us, because he loves us, he sees the beauty in us. He wanted to us as his sons and daughters, as his bride. As his friend and on the cross our beloved says i am my beloved and my beloved is mine on the cross he says i am yours come to me and it is my prayer that all who all of you who are watching this this morning will say the say the same to him i am my Lord's, and my lord is mine Let's pray. Lord, we confess our hearts are sinful, Lord, uh, that it's our, it's our inclination to be selfish, um, to think about ourselves and our ego and our pride and not others and not you lord we pray that you would flood our hearts with your love and grace and help us to get to know you and your love more that we might be like you that we might go we might uh, repent of our sins we might go and search you and search uh, our neighbors and friends our siblings and uh, our parents and all our broken relationships and become uh, uh, agents of peace um, in this world And lord we know that that can't happen unless you speak to us, unless you fill us with your love. But Lord, help us um, to see your love and fill our hearts, Lord, with you this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.